Welcome to Nerds of the Roundtable. I'm Jamie. I'm Dwayne. And I'm Sammy. And that's right. We are back. We're back. We are, gentlemen. And and, and I think back is going to be uh, Pee Wee's word of the day. So, <laughs> oh, speaking of. Uh, rest in peace, Paul Rubens. Uh, but, um, yeah. So, so, nerds, you know what to do every time you hear the secret word. Scream real loud. <laughs> <laughs> Make it like a ha, make a honey ho. Um, anyway, yeah, we are back after a uh, hiatus, and uh, we like to uh, kick this episode off by telling you we are back to the future. That's right. We did go with a theme pick, of course, because we're nerds, and that's how nerds roll. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's only appropriate. So we're, do, we're going to be doing Back to the Future, and, um, you know, it... It just felt right. Dwayne, it was Dwayne's idea, full credit, threw yep. it out there. It fits perfectly. Agreed. But we have a way we do things on this show. And first, we have to keep it 100. It's time to keep it 100. 100. 100. 100. And Dwayne, you are first out of the gate. And to prove we are completely already back in the saddle, my timer is not ready. <laughs> Yep, uh, mine as well. So, uh, <laughs> keeping keeping things uh, real here. Uh, let's get this set up, and I will tell you about my keeping it one hundred. All right, I'm taking you guys back, all the way back to 1964. Stanley Kubrick made a small film, Doctor Strange Love, or how I learned to stop worrying and love the bomb. Guys, this is like an after-school special for nuclear annihilation. You have Peter Sellers, James Earl Jones, Slim Pickens, and George C. Scott. Now, I know a lot of people talk about, you know, if you're going into the military or interested in the military, you have to watch Stanley Kubrick's Full Metal Jacket. Please add this to the list because we can show you how things can go extremely wrong and right in so many wrong ways. It's so beautiful. The pacing uh, back, you know, in the 60s was so different from what we have. It's it's very refreshing. One of my favorite scenes is when the U.S. president is talking to the Soviet prime minister and he makes it about him. Well, just imagine how bad I feel. It's just a gloriously fun movie. Uh, Sink the money on the purchase or the rental. Dr. Strangelove, or How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love the Bomb. All right. You know, I've never seen that movie, and it's one of those that I've always been on a list of, I've got to check that out at some point. And he kept it 100. And I kept it 100. <laughs> <laughs> and I forgot to turn my timer off. I haven't watched it either. And my, my problem is, as I, I just don't enjoy Kubrick movies. Yeah. Like, I've, I've watched several of them, and I, I can recognize the talent, mm-hmm. the artistry that goes in to the things he makes. I just don't actually enjoy the movies. Okay. And so, like, there's something about the, the, the Kubrick style that just doesn't work for me. Yeah, it, it, it's its own thing, uh, this one is. Um, and I think a lot of Kubrick movies are, you know, from, uh, you know, Full Metal Jacket to 2001 A Space Odyssey, uh, even Eyes Wide Shut and, uh, you know, 
a clockwork orange. Yep. They're all so different flavored. And this one is, I swear, it feels like you're watching an after school special where they're telling you like what to do in the event of a nuclear annihilation. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and just show you all these behind the scenes, you know, that you have the, the airplane that's, that's flying around ready to just to ready to go drop the bomb on the city. You know, and it goes to the war room and it goes to the general who's having an affair and the guy in, in satcom who's like lost his marbles and, and all of these uh, ambassadors and things just, just kind of working in and out. And, and the dialogue is so strange. You're like, this could really go down. And, and there is even a disclaimer at the beginning. The military has assured us and wants us to assure you that we have things where this should never happen. <laughs> you know, there's, there's, there's a, a, a tag at the beginning. So it's, it's definitely worth, um, I, I own it. I, I purchased it. If you have, um, maybe, maybe we should share it and do a little chat about it. One day. Hmm. Okay. All right, gentlemen. So that Sam. brings it up to me and, um, go ahead and go ahead, Jamie, if you don't care, if you can start that timer for me, maybe, or oh, Dwayne's got it rolling already. So I'm sure like these gentlemen, you all have missed my constant raving about the Star Trek franchise but because it's been so long i just had to do it and i am going warp 10 for season two of strange new worlds i love the fact that this series has really been given the freedom to explore genre it's all within the trek framework but it's chock full of stories that are not going to be found in any previous series so the back half of season two has especially been great. The cast has explored the fallout of war on soldiers. So getting real serious. Crossed over with the animated lower decks through a timey-wimeyness that would even make Doctor Who smile. And we have just recently had a musical episode. Let's just say I'll never view the Klingons the same way again. So this show is a Paramount Plus exclusive, and it's definitely worth the watch. So that's why Strange New Worlds Season 2 is my keeping it 100. With the respectable amount of time to uh, spare there, Sam. Hey, hey. I practiced. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You could have spared more time for could have spared more time. Yeah, yeah. I was. I was. Really, I could have talked a little bit more about it. I was really eyeballing that meat. Or you could have talked less. It's it, it's true. <laughs> Probably could have talked more. Talked more, maybe. Um, there, there's been so many great things. I mean, they've talked about um, basically Pike's hair. It has been now been called Pike's Peak. Uh, so you know he's got like the Johnny Bravo thing going on. So it's pretty hilarious. Uh, <laughs> it does. It does look interesting. I, I've. I've Come across several trailers, but that I've already subscribed to a thousand streaming services. Yeah. <laughs> I just can't bring myself to do another one. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty I'm pretty maxed out on streaming services myself. <laughs> I understand. Oh, there's so many. Like I'm just I can't even get to all the ones I subscribe to. Like, yes. There's stuff on all my want to watch. It's like there's just too much. Of course, these strikes are going to help with that. Yeah, we'll have yeah. a little bit more time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think we'll have some things thinned out pretty soon. And Jamie. All right, here we go. My Keeping 100 this time is Silo. It is a short run uh, season. It's only 10 episodes. About, I think about 45 minutes. Don't quote me on that. Um, it's based on the Hugh Howey book, Wool. Now, Wool was an independent book sensation. It was one of those first big Kindle seller books when, when the ebook revolution started, <laughs> which wasn't quite the revolution they thought it was going to be. <laughs> but, um, and so it, it's, it's this, you know, post-apocalyptic dystopian future. 
they live in this tower built into the ground. Um, it's like the world's biggest bomb shelter. Um, and the cast is fantastic. Um, Rebecca Ferguson, um, I'm blanking on all their names. Uh, Tim Robbins. I mean, there's a lot of people in the show. And they they do like daring things. Like characters come and go in ways that you would be, you know, shocked about. Um, the There's an interesting mystery at the heart of the entire thing. So there's like there's like A, B, and C plots that are happening, but behind it all is this this mystery. It's like super compelling, and so like even as we're dealing with these personal crises, inter inter you know relational stuff, there's this gigantic mystery that's just real, like I gotta know. And so I've went and bought all the books. I'm gonna finish season one, and I'm gonna read this trilogy because I've got <laughs> to know what what's going on here. And so there's lots of characters to care about, and so it's on Apple TV, Silo. Highly recommended. Right. Awesome. I believe this sounds familiar. It sounds like we've spoke about that before. Yeah, I think we we had dinner a couple weeks ago, and I've already ran, you know raved about Silo, mm-hmm. and I am forgetting the main actor's name. Can't believe I forgot the man's name. Oh, killing me. And that happens when you have a mic in front of you. Always, yeah, always. I, I could. <laughs> Fifteen minutes ago, I had it. Well, you know, it sounds like a really interesting concept, uh, just in terms of, um, you know, I, I think it's the way that that even filming could probably be pretty interesting, considering it's like this tower yeah. type of thing. Yeah, it's David Ielowo. Um, I've seen him and stuff before, but like he he's like when he's in front of the camera, it's a like. The face acting is incredible. Like even when he's not saying a lot, like you, you everything that's supposed you're supposed like he's supposed to be feeling, you see it, and he makes you feel it with him. It's just it's a it's an incredible performance. Yeah, I've seen him in things. Yeah, Yeah, he's he's, great. Yeah, he's really good. Awesome, awesome. Well, that's some things to plug into your um, maybe watch list. But guys, we're here to talk about getting back, back to the future. Let's go in with our opening thoughts and grades. Sam. All right. Um, you know, guys, Back to the Future is truly a classic. Um, you know, I fell in this fell in love with this movie from the moment I saw it. You know, I wanted to be as cool as Marty McFly. Okay. In as, as in my childhood brain, he was such a cool dude, right? Um, still to this point, I cannot hear songs like Earth Angel and Johnny Be Good without thinking of this movie. It made that much of an impression. You know, and face it, I think everybody has. Even the Avengers talked about Back to the Future, right? Um, even the Flash movie, that's when you had that sound effect, that wah, 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 Flash movie, with great sound there. Um, even had an alternate world where Eric Stoltz continued to be Marty McFly, all right? So this movie shows up in lots of places. Face it, it's even the basis of Rick and Morty. So we've got all of these callbacks to a movie like this. So it's just one of those that has resonated for almost 40 years. So, I mean, I'm sorry, guys. Maybe it's nostalgia. Maybe it's me wanting to to travel back in time myself in a DeLorean. But I'm going A-plus on this movie. It's a classic. I mean, it just is. And like, and you can't, you can't make a time travel movie now without at least thinking about how you're going to relate time travel back. And your, your touchstone is back to the future. 
And so like how time travel works has been forever shaped by that. You're doing something mm-hmm. different on purpose, different than Back to the Future, mm-hmm. where you're doing the Back to the Future rules. It's it's defined time travel movies. And you know the direction by Robert Zemeckis is spot on. Uh, it's probably his best movie. Um, he's firing on all cylinders. You know, Michael J. Fox is at like peak charisma. Um, it's time travel done well. And I don't even, I don't normally like time travel movies. Um, it's done really well. There's a couple of gimmicks that are brilliant that make it work, make it compelling that we'll get into later, saving those for my fans. Um, <laughs> but I'd forgotten how long it was. I, I would have thought this was a 90 minute movie. It's, it's two hours yeah. Yeah. for a, yep. for a, for a, an 80s comedy that's long and but it's so fast and entertaining that you don't care you don't even notice i didn't realize it i would if you asked me how long it was i'd have guessed 90 minutes mm-hmm. it's longer than that and it's just that's just how good it is how how good the pacing is and you don't even care about the time travel months because some of it doesn't work and you just don't care because you're so charmed by the movie i'm an a plus two yeah, well, I'm going to go ahead and just lead out with that. Yeah, A-plus around the board here. So uh, another addition to the Hall of Fame here, the uh, Ring of Honor, as we say. But yeah, this movie is, is you, know, you hear that all the time, so nearly perfect. So many beats, it lands, all of them. You know, time travel movies have been shaped and influenced by this. And there's so much going on in this movie. I mean, so much going on. You have... You have time travel that's not science fiction. You know, they, they do all this sciencey stuff without science fictioning it up, really, truly. And, you know, the the casting is perfect. The music is perfect. You know, I believe you both do have the word classic. You know, it's classic drama comedy. It even goes into psychology. You have like this reverse Oedipus thing going on, you know, that's <laughs> so crazy and, and out the door. And, but you know, with the pacing, you know, I forgot how much time they spent in 1985 at the beginning. You know, before I'm in my mind, yeah, bam, bam, 55. You know, but you really spend some time getting to know these characters and caring about them, which a movie today wouldn't do. Yeah. You know, and and I think it really serves to that purpose. But I, yeah, it's a plus all around. And you know why? It's the power of love, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Want to do some fans? Do some fans. All right. Um, I'm gonna. I'm. This is. I'm gonna go with a small thing that I think is just genius. Just absolute genius. It's not the biggest thing in the world. It's not flashy. It's the photo. It's mm. such because like a lot of time travel stuff gets out of hand. It's hard to wrap your head around like oh it's going to have these effects in the future, but it, it doesn't feel tangible. It doesn't feel real. But that photo and watching people's heads dissolve. disappear and watching mm-hmm. them dissolve, and then he starts falling because he's starting to disappear, and it's just such a a tangible like, makes it feel so real. Like the future is falling apart because of what's happening in the past. It's such a brilliant. How many time travel movies? Like it just it, you don't feel the weight of it. it, doesn't feel the reality of it because there's nothing like that. Yeah. And so it's just I don't know if it was. It feels like something Spielberg probably suggested. Yeah. <laughs> well, well it's, it's it's your ticking clock. You know, uh, you you think you have time travel, you have all the time in the world, but no, that's his ticking clock. It's yeah. brilliant. Yeah, and it makes the whole. Like there's 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 just con- there's consequences. 
all the way through, and you feel it, and watching them disappear. Like, I mean, it's just, it's brilliant. I love it. Well, when you think most time travel movies, you get the after effect. How did time change? Oh, we've got to go back and we've got to fix this. You know, this is an end scene in 1955 reminder that time is changing. It's a physical aspect. Mm. And I think that draws you in because, I mean, the whole idea of a family photo, you know, I mean, it, it's a touchstone for everybody. Mm. And, and the stakes are usually like, y- y- it's hard to film because like, well, you could change the future. And it's like, it's, it's like this thing, like, well, look, you gotta be careful, but you, you know, you never know what it's going to look it's like. It's so ambiguous. It's, yeah, exactly. That's the word I was floundering for, really ambiguous. <laughs> but like, because of that photo, it's just, you feel it. I mean, it's yeah. just, I don't know. I wish I had something more articulate to say. It's just brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that, that is a great, uh, you know, this has to be done because you see consequences happening. Yeah. It's really, really a good point there. Really good point. I hadn't thought about that. It's great. Uh, my fan, I'll tell you guys, I'm a sucker for the 80s design. The poofy jackets. His life preserver? The yes. Life. With the coat. Yep, He's the with the Coast Guard. <laughs> yeah, the, the orange the orange vest, you know, the poofy jacket. Uh, skateboards. How much of a thing were skateboards in your childhood? You know, how much did you just like run around the neighborhood, being a hoodlum on a skateboard, <laughs> doing things the 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 toyota trucks you know they're everywhere they're still everywhere they don't die (laughs) Uh, and then with the design also they go back to 55 and it's just as perfect you know the town is pristine Mm -hmm. the uh you know everyone's in 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 their suits and and button down shirts you know if not ties the guys have the white t-shirts with rolled up sleeves and the pink jeans you know the convertible cars it's it's just so perfect the way they brought both of those eras to life um and that is really you know my fan and of course you know the delorean how much more stylistically and unique and synonymous with a movie can Mm -hmm. a vehicle be you know forget any batmobile give me the delorean and i i think that just to piggyback on that and to Knock off one of my fans. Uh, <laughs> Doc's science just looks cool. Like yeah. he makes a comment, like, "Well, if it's gonna have time, we might as well have some style." Yeah. Well, all of Doc's stuff is like that, right? You know, I yeah. like I love the way that Doc's science, like he's like he styles it up. It's all cool. The, all the different clocks, yeah. the amplifier in the mm-hmm. in the room, you know, the, the, yeah. all the knobs. Uh, you know, and I and I seen a, a a very interesting documentary um, while I was doing some research on this. And they were talking about product placement. And, you know, product placement movies. Oh, if we put a Pepsi can here, we'll get so much money. If we put a, a Sony Walkman here, we'll get so much money. And they said that Ford is going to give us $75,000 if we change the DeLorean to a Mustang. And, this, and I think it's Bob Gale. He said, Duck Brown don't drive no effing Mustang. <laughs> you know, no. So how much different would that movie have been if it would have been a Mustang? And we would have seen a thousand Mustangs, you know, go down this road every day. Yeah. You know, the DeLorean, it was it was a thing they made. I think they said it made 9,000 of them. 6,500 of them are still around. And it looks like science fiction. Yeah. A, a, a stainless steel car. Yeah. With the gullwing doors, yeah. you know. Uh, and, you know, you have the scene in the garage, you know, when, when he first lands. And you're like, like, what? It's an airplane because it's not an airplane; it's a spaceship. You yep. know, and, and the <laughs> yeah. doors open, and he shows the comic book, and it's what it is. And he comes out in the radioactive suit, and they 
you know, pepper him with buckshot and (laughs) (laughs) hilarity ensues. You know, and it, and it's that juxtaposition between the aesthetic of 85 and 55 that really makes, you know, once again, just stands out and you're right. They nail it perfectly. Uh, looking at the old Studebakers and stuff like that Mm -hmm. as compared to the DeLorean. I mean, so you've got lots of those comparisons in aesthetic with the movie. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. So I guess it brings me to my fan. So I I realize we have a a whole award for this, but my fan, I just got to talk about these performances Uh, and not just Marty and Doc. Yeah. I mean, they're your main characters, but the supporting characters are just so great in this movie. Um, As goofy as Crispin Glover's George McFly is, I mean, you just, your, your heart just goes out to him. Mm -hmm. Uh, Even what Huey Lewis has a cameo at at the band auditions. And and, you know, he's just too too loud. loud. And, and even though they're too loud, that was just pitch perfect as far as adding Huey Lewis in there. Right. You got to, Um, but I mean, even face it, we get a young Billy Zane as one of Biff's thugs. Mm. So, I mean, there's just so many characters that run through this movie that, that just work so well and play well off of Marty and Doc and Lorraine. And it just works. You know, even the supporting characters are just great. I'd forgotten how good, I forget his name. The guy that played Biff. Mm-hmm. He's so oh, good. Yeah. All the different Biffs. Like he oh, nailed, yeah. he's so good. Even like cringing Biff at the end. I mean, he just, he, he gets it all so well. Yeah, you're perfect. Perfect. You know, this movie was near perfectly cast. You know, even though, you know, there was the debacle with, uh, you know, Stoltz. At the end, uh, it was very interesting how that changed the whole flavor of the film. You know, just, just one role, one interaction with everyone. just totally change and and make something phenomenal. Ready to roll to our pans, gentlemen? Uh, can I throw out one honorable mention? Please. And I'll try not to go too long. <coughs> I had forgotten how good the first 20 minutes were. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Zemeckis is so good at setting up things. And it's, a couple of them aren't, aren't, su- aren't super subtle, like when he showed the plutonium under the chairs. <laughs> <But> like, <laughs> it, a, it lingers there for more than a, more than a beat. <laughs> But like all the little things you learn about, like who Doc is, who Marty is, you know, the nature of the family, the dynamic between Biff and his dad, like everything gets like, it's just, it's a perfect setup. It, it's 20 minutes. That's a lot of setup. Yeah. But it's so entertaining itself. You don't realize he's just doing setup for 20 whole minutes, mm-hmm. but it's so entertaining. You don't care. It's yeah. awesome. And it's you, just beautiful direction. Yep. And you buy it as part of the movie. Yep. And that, that's where that character development comes in. And that's why, like I said, each supporting characters as well as main characters work so well because Zemeckis took the time to develop those characters, let us understand who they were before we went into the main crux of the story. Yeah. True, true. All righty. Now let's run to that kitchen and grab some pan. All right, and I'm leading off on pans. Now, guys, I know I let off my, you know, grades with a near-perfect movie. And it really is. Everything is so well done. But there's one thing. I'm going to bring the nerds. 
out of the nerds of the round table. So uh, I submit to you exhibit a, uh, that you guys have received in your messenger. Mm-hmm. Here, yes. a, a picture of Marty McFly, uh, at, at the, uh, under the sea dance with a, uh, red Gibson ES three forty five. You can tell by the parallel inlays on the neck, the size of the body, right especially the lower <laughs> bout. Um, there's a little bit larger, a little bit bigger than a three thirty, three thirty five, which was common to this era. The three forty five wasn't introduced until nineteen fifty eight. Can't believe they did that. I'm okay, telling, well, yeah. the thing was, and I was curious too because this one has a Bigsby, and the Bigsby, you know, I, I looked into it. The Bigsby was in with their initial release, but this one has, as you notice, the the pegs for the tailpiece <laughs> by where the strings come up. So this was a later model where the Bigsby was retrofitted on there. So that's just, you know, my opinion. <laughs> Wrong guitar guys. No. <laughs> that's how good this movie is. He had to do that. <laughs> yes. Thank you, Guitar World, for the research. And, and remember, fans out there, Dwayne likes guitars. <laughs> the, the, there is a bigger problem with that scene, though. They got somebody to do the lit, to singing for that video. Like... Whose voice is nothing like Michael J. Fox's voice. It was, I, I'd forgotten how bad that was. Yeah, that, that, yeah. that didn't fit too hot. So. Yeah, this is true. And, and, you know, just that is such a minor little nitpick. And it is, it's, you know, I'm over here picking nits with the guitar. It's, you know, a beautiful guitar, a beautiful scene. But, you know, if you want to go to nitpicking, I mean, it's dumb, but, you know, it's a thing. But, you know, that's, that's. It was a good bit. Yeah, it was a good bit. <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> That's okay, because it kind of works, you know, my pen's kind of in the same realm, you know, Dwayne's guitars. So, you know, as an educator, it's really hard for me to watch the scene where the principal is chewing him out, telling him he is a slacker, his dad was a slacker, and then I'm sitting and going, this is why I'm under so much scrutiny every day in the world right now. (laughs) So every time I watch it, I'm cringing because I'm like, oh my gosh. Treatment of students. This is just, I mean, he is in his face. Their nose is touched. Oh, I know. (laughs) I know. They're like Eskimo kissing. You know, I mean, mercy. But but yeah, and it it just hits me wrong every time. Um, you know, especially right now, I'm working on becoming a principal, and and I can't imagine taking that type of, of stance or attitude with a with a, a student. I mean, and don't get me wrong, I mean, kids are kids, but you know, you give them respect, and that just that just bothers me every. I love the movie; it just bothers me every time. Yeah, I was waiting for him to promote him to Top Gun. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> He is one of those '80s guys. He's one of those. 80s he guys. is. Yeah, He's one of those character actors. There's so many faces. Yeah. So, but you're not. So you don't tell your students you're not going to mount to anything. No. No. <laughs> Shocking. I've seen I so many movies, movies from the '80s. Like, like, I know. You're, you're not. That's not how it's supposed to go. Yeah. I, I mean, I've it, had I've had teachers like that. <laughs> <laughs> but but we're becoming older than dirt. So. <laughs> well, this is true. <laughs> there will be no math done. <laughs> there will be no math. <laughs> um, mine is small too. I mean. When he when he's in fifty five, like he's inventing everything, mm-hmm. and it gets a little eye rolly by the end. Like Marty, Marty invents skateboards. Like he invents rock and roll. <laughs> he just like there's like there's like five or six things by the end. Just like oh come on, <laughs> it's like one or two things too many. You can be the mayor. You're gonna rock and roll. Here's <laughs> yeah. the skateboard. You know, <laughs> yeah, it's just too much. Chuck, Chuck, 
this, this is your cousin Marvin. This that's, is the sound you've been listening for. That's the one where I'm like, oh my gosh, bro. It's everything. It's everything. The entire future of like, it wasn't like messed up by Marty. It was created, created by, Marty. by Marty. And sometimes you don't don't even catch that it it's that what's on the drum set when it says Marvin Barry mm-hmm. until he says, hey, Chuck, Chuck, I'm your, it's your cousin. And I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. But that's all I've got. I mean, it's a it's a touch eye rolly. That's how good this movie is. We're nitpicking, yeah. one with little things. We're like ah, a good bit got pushed a little too far. I mean, that that's how good this movie is. No, yeah. Well, and, and you know, and and kind of a honorable mention kind of pan. I mean, you know, as much as I love Doc Brown, you know, Christopher Lloyd plays it to the nth degree. I mean, especially with, when the when, when it's coming unplugged and he's trying. I mean, that's just. I mean, it's just pure vaudeville slapstick at that point with him climbing on the clock tower and stuff. I mean, it's it's over the top. So. I love it though. It's yeah, great. Oh, yeah. It's perfect. I love Christopher Lloyd. <laughs> you ever watched Taxi? Yes. Mm-hmm. Just, how that? How the, how you go from Taxi? Like, let's hire him to be a scientist. I don't understand yeah. how that happened, but it works. Yep. What? How did? How did? Here's here was the real question. How did they hire him to be a Klingon? Commander. That's right. That's right. Yes. <laughs> that's true. That's right. Who went back in time also? So. <laughs> wow. That's awesome. I forgot it was that movie. It was that movie. That he was in. Yep. All right, guys. Are we ready to go? Hang some awards on the mantelpiece of Batman. As I walk like an Egyptian over here, I'm going to start off with best performance. Guys, I love this actor. Anything I've ever seen him in, he gives 120%. Always over the top. Always so subtle when needed. Crispin Glover as George McFly, 1985 and 1955. He, he portrays the, the, the wimpy, just getting run over constantly, guy. And then he goes to in control, cool guy. I wish he would have been there for the sequels, but I love his performance. Crispin Glover. Awesome. He's a weirdo, but I love him. Yeah, I, I was thinking stuff. Odd Duck, fantastic actor. Odd Duck, fantastic yeah. actor. Yeah. He's a weirdo, but I love him. Well, I'm kind of going to the foil for Crispin Glover because I'm going to Leah Thompson mm-hmm. as for best performance because, I mean, if you think about it, and, and Jamie, you mentioned this with BF. She's the same way. She's playing three completely different characters. You've got the pre, you know, pre-time travel, you know, Lorraine. You've got the 1955 Lorraine. And then you have the post-time travel Lorraine. So three totally different characters with totally different mannerisms, mm. everything. You know, and, and I mean, I know a lot of the characters pull that off. But it just just something about her just drags you in. Yeah. And she was so much the foil for the for the mid part of the movie in the fifties, uh, you know, going after Marty and him trying no, to steer her toward toward George, you know, and uh, just that weird dynamic there, you know. I know I cut like a like a reverse Oedipus complex going on there, you know, this whole weird thing uh, psychology uh, that you get into. But yeah, she was really. Uh, a key role is still off the deep end. 
Yeah, and and you know, I think if you when you read on this movie, if anybody has knocks on it, most of them are just really uncomfortable with those scenes. Yeah, it you is, know, it is uncomfortable. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, definitely, definitely kind of weird. <laughs> yeah, I think that, I mean, and she's a very attractive lady, and I think it's a case where so, some people don't get a chance to really show that they can act because they get, 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 keep getting cast as like the pretty people. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the case for her. I, I don't think she ever got to have the career that like her talent justified because she was too pretty or whatever. She got keep getting the wrong parts. But you could tell, like you said, like the three different roles she plays here are very distinct people, and she nails them all. Yeah. And she doesn't, I, and maybe it was her, her, her and her agent picking bad parts for her. Yeah. But she, you don't. She didn't really get to see. You didn't get to see her flex those kind of acting skills very often uh, throughout her career. It's kind of a bummer. Um, but I'm going Michael J. Fox. Um, he carries this movie. Um, as we can tell by the fact they had to replace somebody. <laughs> this was the crucial role. <laughs> if if I can't imagine this movie working with anybody else, no. as Marty McFly. Um, it's the right blend of you know. Because he's not, he's not a big dude. He's not, kind of like physically an unassuming type of guy, but he's a big personality. He can't be one of the coolest kids, but he has to be charming. Um, he's got a, you know, there's all this stuff he has to do and be to make this movie work. And the craziest thing of all is he makes us believe and never even question that he's the kind of kid whose best friend is this old whack job scientist guy. (laughs) You don't even think about it. Like how did they become best friends? How does this work? How have his parents not called the police? I mean what I mean but because like but he you just buy everything Mm -hmm. Michael J. Fox does as Marty McFly, you just buy and roll with it. Because he he he's he is that character. He makes you believe that character and he's so Daggone charming. You just roll you with just roll with him. Yeah. 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 You so. just buy him. Yeah, that's one great thing. I know we're talking about the performances and how perfectly this movie was put together. But yeah, within just a few seconds of seeing these characters on screen, pre-time travel, 1955, post-time travel, 1985, you know just a few seconds their roles, what they're all about, how they're interacting, their dynamic in the in the family. Each each one, even the brother and sister, who are, you know, very you know, they're in different moments. Yeah, yeah. And even those, those echoed dinner scenes, where you see how different they're dressed, how oh, they're yeah. behaving, and like yeah. Marty's confused, like why are you? Dre-? I mean, it's, like it's it's so it's so well done, perfect. Yeah. yeah, perfect. Well, we're talking about all kind of scenes and performances. Sam, what's your best scene? All right, so I'm glad Jamie just talked about the dinner table because that is one of my favorite scenes in this movie is at the Baines dinner table. And that, you know, Mr. Baines brings out the television and it's the honeymooners. And Marty is just going, oh yeah, he's talking about everything in past tense. And, and it's Jason Hervey. You know, obviously, mo- most of us that have a certain age remember him as the older brother on The Wonder Years. But just him with the coonskin cap going, what do you mean you've seen it? It just came out. What's a rerun? You know, be those types of things, I just laugh every time. And, and I will throw this out just because Dwayne wanted to nitpick the, uh, the guitar. Just a little fun fact trivia. That episode of The Honeymooners did not come out until December 31st, 1955, not November 5th. So that was an episode uh, titled The Man from Space. Um, 
So they were they were a little off on that too, Dwayne. So guitars and TV both. Zemeckis, come on, get that right, man. How could they? <laughs> you feel like Neil deGrasse Tyson with Titanic here? <laughs> well, I'm going to be Captain Obvious again. It's the clock tower. Yeah. I, when they're when he's trying to get back and like Zemeckis just keeps ratcheting up the tension, mm-hmm. right? Everything that could go wrong. It is practically vaudeville. I mean, mm-hmm. everything that could go wrong goes wrong. And it, but you, but you know he's going to go back. I mean, of course. I mean, it's that's how movies work, right? <laughs> right. You know it's going to work. But like you just like, how could it possibly work? Everything is broken. Well, well, it's kind of even in the title. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> they buried the lead there. <laughs> Not subtle. Couldn't, couldn't uh, tell. Couldn't tell. But like, it's just it's just such a tea. Like, I've seen the movie right. dozens of times. You know, it's like I still like you get you're kind of tightening in the yeah, gut. I've, you feel yeah. it. You know. Yeah. How is he going to make this work? Yeah. Yeah. And you and you know we've all seen it, and it's still. It's I mean, tense. even even when the uh, Iranians come out, yeah, you know, or the Libyans, Libyans, Lib- yeah. Libyans, Lib- yes. yeah, when the Libyans come out, you're like, because, because oh, that, those were our enemies at that point in time. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, that's hilarious. Um, I'm, I'm going to go a little bit different, and I mean, when Marty first goes to town, not even when he first pops up in 1955, but when he first goes to town in 1955. And he's looking around, and he's seeing this little town in all of its splendor. You know, like us today, you know, we look, we, we, we go downtown, we see all the shuttered buildings, all the old architecture, the stains, the, the broken windows, the, oh, this used to be the theater, this used to be that. And, and he's, he's seeing it alive, and he's seeing it vibrant and fresh and, you know, full of, of, of interaction. And... That's that warms my heart. That that scene just always makes me go, yeah, you know, it's it's what allows him to believe in, I guess, something. You know, okay, we can we can make something good here. You know, yeah, and that's part of like the positive message because a lot of the things that Marty does, he's creating a better future mm-hmm. because he's helping people make the right decisions yeah. and to and to be better selves, and it creates a future he goes back to, which is actually a big pan because. I, those aren't the people he knows. Like he has, like how does he even function in that world? Right. Yeah. He has no memory yeah. of these people. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, but, no one. Um, but, but because of the things he's helped these people do better, mm-hmm. like, the world's a better place. Yeah, it so it's, 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 it's like a subtle you know, positive message there. Like, Hey, if we're better, maybe the future could be better too. I mean, yeah, yeah, entirely. Yeah, yeah. And, I, just, and, I just love that. And I don't know about you guys, but, but when he's going through town, I'm wondering where the young Michael Myers is because isn't Mr. Sandman also the, the uh, music <laughs> playing at the beginning of the original Halloween? <laughs> this, is, this is true. <laughs> All right, Jamie. Okay. Best character. I called him a whack job earlier, but I love this man. I love Doc Brown. Yeah. It's yep. part of why I like the third movie so much because it is the weak link in this trilogy by country mile. <laughs> but there's so much Doc Brown in that Doc's movie, moment. it makes me love it. Yeah. Um. I, I I just I love how just intense he is about everything. Like Doc Brown never has a casual moment in his life. I mean, everything is gung ho. He's in everything. It's all wild. It's all madcap. He's got this kind of manic energy. Too much coffee. Time. Yeah, I just, I, I love him. You know, I just, I yep. love Doc Brown. He's my favorite character. Like Michael J. Fox is the crucial guy. But Doc Brown is my favorite character. Yeah, he's had two too many cups of coffee. I had two pots too many, I think. <laughs> <laughs> just maybe. Yeah. 
Well, you know, I'm going with the character as, um, you know, like you guys have, have already said, you know, the cement of this movie, the creator of the future, if we will, you know, <laughs> Martin, Martin McFly, Michael J. Fox, Mr. 80s himself, you know, uh, so many, uh, you know, memories of him on Family Ties and you know, Bright Lights Big City, just Teen Wolf, all of this. I loved Teen Wolf. Yep. Oh, God, so many so much <laughs> seen that movie but yeah i mean he just is so earnest and exuberant and just comes across such a nice guy uh, you know he, he makes it work you know, I, I really can't say any more than what you've said earlier jamie you know, he's just so earnest and so believable and so just just good for goodness sake you know and what's, what's crazy about teen wolf i don't know this just occurred to me it's more believable that he's a werewolf than he's a basketball player. <laughs> this, is true. this is true. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of go go that direction, right? <laughs> you know, it's a little. You know, little little maybe short for a basketball player, but you know, whatever. <laughs> exactly. Ooze athleticism. I'm sorry. You brought up Teen Wolf, and it started wheel spin. Right? Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, so, so you you mentioned Doc. You mentioned Marty. So I'm going to have to go to the Doc camp. Um, you know, Emma Brown, right? I mean, just the quintessential, you know, nuttiest of professors. I mean, really. I mean, Jerry Lewis may have been in the movie, but Christopher Lloyd is the nuttiest professor of them all. I mean, he really is. I mean, from his speech patterns, Marty, you know, that kind of thing in the way he just like shakes as he says it. I mean, I mean, he's just so great. But the thing is, he's almost like a 50s TV character in himself. So that's what made that part, I think, perfect for this movie. Um, like I said, vocal expression, mannerisms, the disheveled demeanor, you know, all of that makes Doc Brown such a memorable character. I love him. <laughs> it's just magnetic on screen. Mm-hmm. I just, I just, I, I could watch Christopher Lloyd just do things. I mean, just mundane things nonstop. Just, a, just such an interesting guy. Oh yeah, totally. Well, <clears throat> I get to go with best quote. You know, this movie is about generations, generations apart, melding those generations, making one work with and for the other. During the documentary, I see Michael J. Fox talking about, you know, his kid. He's he's got this 20-year-old kid. He's talking. I don't know what the heck he's talking about. But in this movie, Michael J. Fox, you know, he's, that's heavy. And Doc is constantly, is something wrong with the gravity? You know, and, and it's just that I, I love those little interchanges. And it's more than once that, that he's like, what do you say? Everything heavy in the future. And it's it just, you know, how communication and words uh, and relationships take different meanings over the years. Uh, I, I, just, I just love that little interchange. That's, that's my, one of my favorite quotes. It was on my short list, too. It's yeah, good. There's, there's a thousand, you know, there's a thousand <laughs> of them, but, but that's one. That's heavy. What's, what's wrong with the gravity in the future? Yeah. <laughs> Well, I, I wish I would have found another one because that is definitely the quote that always stands out to me. Also, it just it just is, you know that that idea. There's that word again, heavy. Why are things so heavy in the future? Is there a problem with Earth's gravitational pull? You know, it is that idea of the science behind it. Doc Brown sees everything through the lens of science. Mm-hmm. So every word, like you said, every word that's used that that that's maybe 
you know, he, he gets a science tinge to it, you know, and it's just, you know, I mean, between that and going, you know, I mean, the other one, I guess it stands out to me is, is I see why Ronald Reagan's the president. You've got to look good on TV, you know, <laughs> as he's looking at the old JVC, uh, uh, camcorder. Yeah. I've, my, mine is just, it's absurdist. And I just, it makes me laugh every time, but it's after, you know, Marty has went to drastic measures to get his dad to ask Lorraine out. So the next day, George runs up to him and says, last night, Darth Vader came down from planet Vulcan and told me that if I didn't take Lorraine out, that he'd melt my brain. (laughs) (laughs) It's just such an absurd sentence. Yep. And in the previous scene, Marty does throw the Vulcan (laughs) salute. As yep. he plays a Eruption by Van Halen through, yes, through yes. the Walkman. <laughs> every, every, like, every phrase in that sense is just absurd. And, yeah. and probably have ticked off so many fanboys, it's pitiful. <laughs> so, yeah. It's so good. Oh, goodness. All right, gentlemen. Well, we've put the awards away. Now it's draft time. So what are we talking about, Jamie? How does this draft work again? Well, this is, I I would say for most people, this is the time travel movie. And it is at least like the paradigmatic time travel movie. So we are drafting the best time travel movie. And Sam gets privileged of going first. Number one, overall pick. Well, you guys know, since I got to go first, I'm going to go ahead and pull two, let's see, 1996's Star Trek First Contact off the board because for me that is it's just so great to see them go back Zephram Cochran the beginning of, of the whole story in general uh, you know and, and then eventually you know I, I, I kind of laughed and told you guys my five year mission to watch all of Star Trek I finished in three so if you've seen Mirror Darkly and Enterprise and then you see Zephram Cochran pull out a uh, shotgun and shoot the Vulcan. It really puts that that whole scene on a different light in First Contact. But loved it. So Star Trek First Contact. It's a good one. I thought you might go with it's four, right? When they go back and save the whales. The one with the whales. The one with the, the whales. Home. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, I guess there's more rounds. <laughs> <laughs> My bad. Poor <laughs> Okay, I'm up next, and I'm going to go with, uh, can I save it? Can I save it and sneak it in later? Decisions, some, decisions. All right, let's do some strategy here. Um, I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with it first. Time After Time. H.G. Mm. Wells, played by Roddy McDowell. Mm-hmm. Goes to the future with Jack the Ripper. I, what else do you need? Just push yeah. play. I mean, There you go. And it is. It, it, it's an older movie. You know, nobody can watch older movies. Um, I work with a guy who thinks everything before the Avengers is too old a movie to watch. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so it is, a, in, the, in those terms, an ancient movie. Mm-hmm. But it is a very good movie. And it was one of those TBS movies you caught all the time. Yeah. Um, yeah. Love it. Yep. It time after time. Yeah, there was the, the, the Jack the Ripper fascination I went through. Yeah. In my younger years, that I was like just absorbing all of those movies. So yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to go with a uh, with a more recent movie. 
and they, they it's it's not necessarily time travel but they really play with time it's a rock mm-hmm. i love the creative use of time i love yeah i love the way it was that, on my list. that the yeah I, I love the way that the perception of the, of the non-linear communication uh, uh, shapes our perception of time that's a good one. I was to sneak in Really knock, <laughs> knocking it out of the park. And it's just fantastic. Oh, beautiful. And it's just so smart the way it plays with time. Mm-hmm. Like the gimmick it uses is so creative. Mm-hmm. So yep, good. for sure. He won the first one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. So we did say top five, correct? Yes. All right. Ooh, what do I go with? What do I go with? All right. I'm going to go ahead and pull Interstellar off the board. That was the one I was trying <laughs> to say. Just because I want <laughs> to see Jamie's face. Dude. Because I had a feeling. <laughs> Mr. Mr. Nolan fan. There's the grimace. Would want to pick Interstellar. <laughs> so a little bit of a steal on my part. So 2001. <laughs> There's not a ton of time travel. I thought I could save it. Right, I right. thought that was how it's, it's I would save bit. it. It's a yeah. bit. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, and, and I guess part of that is, it's just the science is so cool. Yeah. And and the fact that they, they got Kip Thorne as their science advisor to make sure that the whole concept of black holes were correct. And all of the calculations on the board behind him were done by Kip Thorne. It was just so cool. And the in the scene when he's in the black hole, he's in the walls of his house. Mm-hmm. It's not just a cool time travel scene; it's emotionally powerful. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, it oh, wrecks me. Yeah. I cry like yeah. a baby, like a hungry, angry baby. I cry so hard. Yeah. Oh yeah. You, you were my ghost. Did <laughs> <laughs> you? <just, laughs> I thought I could sneak it in Because right. <laughs> I, I, I don't really think of it as a time travel movie. It's right. science fiction. It's, yeah. it's a space movie. Yeah. But it's not. Good job. That's a good snipe. Good job. <laughs> um, okay, I'm going to go with one that uh, is this is just a very personal. It's another older movie. That's one of my favorite time travel movies. Escape from the Planet of the Apes. Ooh, okay. It's the third one. It's the one where they have like no budget. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's the cheapest one they ever made. Um, but it's just fun. They they escape. They see the planet explode. They go back. Um, and just all the stuff that happens. You know, the society kind of sort of accepts him for a minute. It gets weird. And I just, it's just such a fun movie. It's probably the funnest of the classic okay, Apes yeah. movies. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's time travel movie. It's good. Now, is that the one where eventually the apes are running around the docks? I think so. Yeah. yeah. They're on the barges. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yes. Yes. All right. Because there's like a shootout on, on, on a yes. bigger ship there. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Okay. That's what I was thinking. All right. Well, I'm going with a uh, Monty Python uh, connection here with my time travel time bandits. Uh. I mean, when you're traveling time, why not do it with a band of dwarfs? <laughs> <laughs> and Sean Connery. <laughs> you can't argue with it. Solid choice. Yes. I've not seen that movie in a very long time. I don't think I've no ever seen it all the way <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely a choice <laughs> <laughs> alright um, so let's see I'm on number three so I think I'm going to go go in into left, left field and I'm going to pick one that's kind of 
almost in the vein of tonight's Back to the Future, and that's Peggy Sue Got Married. Love Peggy Sue Got Married. I haven't seen it. Yeah. So it's this idea that she goes back, you know, kind of in time, and she see she it's it's her older self, kind of like a Freaky Friday, in her younger body, and she's seeing all the mistakes that she made, you know, as a teenager, and 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 what decisions. Plus, she got Nick Cage in it, so hmm. yeah, I hadn't seen it either. Oh yeah, and it's great music. Take your word for it. Yeah, great music, great great fifties type music, you know. Nick Cage is in a doo-wop group. So, you know, come on. So. <laughs> that's a sailing point. That's so, so insane. It's a sailing point. You know, you, you, you've you got the, you know, the, the, the brooding, you know, motorcycle rider that writes poetry. You know, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I'm going to finally pick a movie closer to modern times. And I'm going to go with Army of Darkness. Oh, oh, there yeah. we go. And, you know, I love the first two Evil Dead movies, but, you know, they're they're just horror movies. They're weird ones because, you know, think about who made the movie and who's mm-hmm. starring in it. Mm-hmm. Army of Darkness gets wild. Goes mm-hmm. back into medieval times. He's flashing his boomstick. I mean, just... <laughs> <laughs> and it's just, it's Bruce Campbell at his finest. It is yes. Bruce Campbell unleashed. He's got all the memorable lines. Um, and it's just... And they don't even really play with the time travel very much. She's like, hey, he went back. That's it. Don't yeah. worry about it. Yeah. Don't he's, think he's, about it. He's there. He's just there. And and it's just so entertaining. And I love the mix-up at the end. <laughs> Which end? There's two endings. Mm-hmm. Which ending have you seen? Mm-hmm. It's the end of the world. That is the alternate version. Have you seen the S-Mart ending? Doesn't it start at S-Mart? It ends at S-Mart, too, in the original cut. Okay. Mm-hmm. I didn't know it okay. ended at S-Mart. I knew it yeah. started at S-Mart. He gets put back. It's kind of sad because he goes right back to the beginning. He's just another bag boy at S-Mart. He's back where he started. Not, despite his adventure, Nothing's nothing changed. had changed. Oh. And then Deadites show up in the S-Mart. <laughs> and there's <laughs> one last seen battle. that ending. No. That, that is the original theatrical cut. Okay. I, I prefer the alternate ending where he takes one drop too one many drop too and many wakes up in the future. The world. <laughs> <laughs> That's, I prefer that one, but yeah, yeah. that is not. That's hilarious. You know, f- funny side note, I used to, to do some drawings and stuff for people, and I did a Lou Ferrigno Hulk. And we all know that Lou Ferrigno's Hulk always had like the ripped shirt and all this. I put S-Mart on the tag of the ripped shirt oh, just as an end joke to see if anybody would catch it. So, oh, yeah. that's great. <laughs> <laughs> I, I may have several coffees. Every time they release one with any new features, I pick it. <laughs> well, I mean, you're, not, you're not wrong to do that. You're not wrong to do that. But speaking about alternate uh, time travel situations, Edge of Tomorrow, Live Die Repeat. Mm. Me and my wife debated that one. That counted as a time travel movie. Well, I mean, he's going back to the same day repeatedly I mean he's traveling time he's going to and he get back is he traveling or is that just sideways travel mm. <laughs> is he stuck in time well this is well this is this is a loop you know, it's, so, a ti- so, it's a time loop so does that mean looper <laughs> is not a time travel I wanted to go with Groundhog Day Groundhog and that's Day. where we got into this argument got into about yes. whether this was yes. whether this was actually time travel or not okay when you look, I'll at allow list, it though. It's an amazing movie. When you look at lists, 
of it's on all of them of oh, top thirty five, top twenty five, whatever. Groundhog Day is on there and Edge of Tomorrow. Edge of tomorrow. I saw and one. Looper. <laughs> I saw one where Edge of Tomorrow was the number one time travel movie number ever. Number one, really. Yeah, well, so I, mean, I think you're safe. I'm just giving you a hard time. Oh, that's fine. But yeah. I wouldn't expect any less. <laughs> <laughs> that's what friends are for. Hey, that's the way it works. Yeah. All right. Great movie. Sam brings to number four. All right, I'm on number four. So, I see, I'm trying to decide if I want to go another weird one or if. I want to go kind of mainstream. I'm, I think I'm going to stick weird. All right. I'm going with idiocracy. Okay. Oh, I see Dwayne Barker that <laughs> once. I've snapped both of them. Um, there is something about Luke Wilson waking up in the future and, and that whole process as he is now the smartest person on the planet Earth uh, just cracks me up. The whole scene where they're putting Gatorade on the crops because it has vitamins uh, and it's killing all the food supply. I just laugh every time. So, idiocracy for me. I haven't seen it. (laughs) (laughs) You have to watch it. Yeah. You'll be, especially today. It's great social commentary. Yeah, yeah, I watched it just, I I watched it a long, long time ago. And I was talking to someone else about it. And I was like, well, I'll just pick it back. I got a bunch of spoilers recently because I was listening to like a, a podcast and a guy was going off about how idiocracy's real now. It's, real. It's, real. <laughs> it's scary real. Yeah, it's scary real. Oh my god. Oh yeah. Yeah, scary real. Okay, Jamie. All right. Um, I I know it's just me, but I love Tenet. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> it, it's the like full on Nolan time travel movie. Um. And yeah, I get the, the 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 sound effects are too loud. I mean, you got to play with your volume settings to hear what they're saying. <laughs> like, I get it. I could hear it in the theater either. I understand. <laughs> um, but I, I, th- I think it's a really smart movie, and I don't I don't think it's as like, maybe as I don't know. It's not. I don't think it's one of his best. I think it's a very good movie, and it's interesting. It does it does things a little. I think it's one of those ones movies that's like going sideways for Back to the Future. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's do something different with the rules. It's reacting against it. Mm. It's doing something different with time than you normally see. I think it's a pretty smart, creative movie. I just like it. There's some really good performances in it too. Cool. So no. Well, Sammy snapped my idiocracy. I hear someone do a little bit of shuffling. Sniper in chief over there. Yeah. <laughs> Got both of our eye movies, didn't he? Yep. I wasn't going to go ten it till he stole Interstellar from me. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so, so you had to like, okay, I got to swerve. <laughs> well, <clears throat> I'm going to go a little bit weird uh, again. No. Mm. Yeah, I'm going to go uh, a little bit weird. And, you know, just, just like Arrival wasn't super time travel but... It, mess with the perception of time Pulp Fiction the non-linear storytelling you you, you leap back because you start at the end you kind of go to the middle you jump back to the beginning you're around you know in the storytelling I know it doesn't really happen that way in, in <laughs> thing, but you know I, I, when the first time I watched it I was like what the heck is going on you know and then it was such a creative way to tell a story I just love the, the non-linear of it now we are officially back in the saddle. Dwayne has broken all of the rules. All the, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> all yep. the rest is gone. Welcome back to Nerds of the Roundtable. Welcome back. A podcast on a quest for quality pop culture. 
Yeah, we'll just, we'll just All right, last round. All right, last Bring out your dude. Last round. <laughs> Speaking of Python. Uh, so, um, well, I started with Trek. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end it with Trek. And it is the one with the whales, I'm gentlemen. Sorry. Star Trek Four: The Voyage Home. Considered one of, you know, one of the best Trek movies besides of, you know, Rathacon, obviously. Um, it's just, it's just great. I mean, e- even though we've got kind of amnesiac Spock, uh, you know, that kind of thing, it was just played for humor really well. Mm-hmm. Um, it's probably Shatner at his his most genuine as far as acting like a person instead of a captain. Uh, you know, I mean, it's just it just works really really well, and it and it's a good message. You know, also I think. So, but uh, yeah, so Star Trek Four Voyage Home, round me out there. Yeah, that movie they really done a great job of humanizing mm-hmm. uh, the, those characters. You know, from the the future twenty um, fourth century mm-hmm. um, to relatable today. You know, and you know, of course, in the air, save the whales. So, really good job. As a, I didn't really get into Star Trek until the next generation. I could. To this day, I could care less about anything before Picard. Um, <laughs> but that was like as a kid, like I mean, that was the one I liked. I want the wheels. That was kind yeah. of fun. Yeah, yeah, because it made them like it made them so human. It really did. Uh, didn't know the first one as a kid. So that was that was bedtime fodder. I <laughs> I know you all hate motion picture or or the motionless <laughs> picture as I've heard. I love it, <laughs> but I I have an original 1979. Star Trek the motion picture movie poster hanging in my room. That movie is so slow and sleep inducing. They changed the uniforms to pajamas. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love it though. I love the premise of, of the, the, the satellite coming back. Smart. Mm-hmm. And you know, the, the, the cross. Not being able to communicate. <sighs> I'm out. <laughs> it was pure science fiction. They they were trying talking about Stanley Kubrick. They were trying to do a 2001. Yeah, and can, that's you can, probably yeah. why because 2001 it feels that way also. That's yeah. why I don't very, like most pictures. Slow. I don't like yeah. Hubert movies. Yeah, yeah very yeah. slow. Yeah. yeah, yeah, very slow science fiction. Jamie, all right, Dwayne, I am going to snipe you without you even knowing you're being sniped. What I'm going to pick now, I'm picking because I thought you were going to pick it in the very first round. Really, I can't believe you're going to kick yourself. Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Oh yeah, this is true. <laughs> this is true. Yeah, it's and it, it's the other sort of touchstone, right? Mm-hmm. You're kind of you're kind of doing, you know, Back to the Future, and you've got rules, and so you're trying to obey the rules, follow the rules, like, or you're doing Bill and Ted, and there's no rules. There's no rules. <laughs> Dude, there's you, no those rules. are basically the two kinds of time travel movies there are. Yeah. And Bill and Ted is like the other version, and it's also incredibly it's also yeah. entertaining. Mm-hmm. Also great. Yeah, this is true. This yeah. is true. Well, I'm not ashamed of my last pick, and I did. You know, I, I had Idiocracy as my fourth. Pulp Fiction was going to be kind of an honorable mention, but I did want to end strong, so I'm ending with Michael Crichton's Timeline. Solid, okay. Solid, yeah, yeah, for sure. Gerard Butler going back to France. The book's better than the movie. The book is much better than the movie. The it's movie. also, yeah, Crichton's yeah, doorstop. A Crichton book. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's even a doorstop for Crichton, it's, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's worth it. But the movie is not bad at all. I, I like it. Yeah, yeah, I enjoyed it. Okay, any yeah. honorable mentions? We just want to name. Okay, one we've seen here recently, gentlemen. Dial of Destiny. Anyone? Mm-hmm. Back with Ben. 
Um, Avengers Endgame. Uh, X Men: Days of Future Past. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Great. Yeah, I, know. I know you mentioned the Apes movies, so the original Planet of the Apes. Yeah. Twelve Monkeys. Mm-hmm. Twelve Monkeys are great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love Twelve Monkeys. Uh, and my last one, I had uh, Joshua Project. Yeah. Yeah, Ryan Reynolds. Netflix. It's a it's a Netflix only. One. Oh, uh, uh, Adam. Adam Project. I wrote in the wrong name, didn't I? It's Adam Project. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That one. Okay. Yeah. Movie's memorable. Title apparently not. Well, I mean, you have, you have, the, <laughs> we have the Tomorrow War also. Yeah, I had that on my list. Yeah. I, was, I was just, yeah. that was in case you all snipe me yeah. like crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm surprised there wasn't as much sniping. Yeah. There wasn't much cross. I love, I love that there wasn't as much cross pollination as there was. You know, we were, we were cross pollinated a little bit though with, uh, with Bill and Ted. So yeah. That brings us to our next point. How does Ted? Theodore Logan connect to Back to the Future. And it's not just time travel. That would have been an easy cop out. And I'm better than that. <laughs> when I can be. I will stoop to those levels though. Um, there's lots of episodes in the back or backlog that can tell we, you I will stoop to those levels. <laughs> we've had a caterer from time to time. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here we go. In 1986, Keanu Reeves and Kiefer Sutherland started in a little TV movie called The Brotherhood of Justice. This happened. The cast is insane for a TV movie. Um, they're, they've all been in movies. Okay, here's the IMDb breakdown. A group of high school students start a vigilante group to combat crime in their neighborhood. That's it. That's the whole premise. <laughs> and I'm sure hilarity ensues after they start the little vig- vigilante <laughs> after school club. But there's a lot. This movie has a ton of recognizable faces in it. Lori Laughlin's in it. The whiny guy from Red Dawn's in it. Um <laughs> And also, playing a character named Liss was an actor who, according to Derek Zoolander, is a cool guy that we should listen to. Yep, that's right. And Sammy already spoiled it. Billy Zane is, is, oh. is in this movie. He is this week's Keanu Connection. <gasps> and that's right. Billy Zane is in Back to the Future. Blink and you'll miss him. I'm not even <laughs> sure which guy he is. He's one of the thugs. Yes. And yes. he's either the guy that punches Marty in the stomach or the guy that throws Marty into the the trunk. trunk. I'm yeah. not sure which one he is. I'm not sure. It's Match. His name yeah. I, I mean, says his name is Match. I'm not sure. Um I, I don't know. MDB says he's in this movie. I've got a Keanu connection. Good hey, enough for me. Go. I don't actually care. <laughs> I was just thrilled we were to find a Keanu connection. That was our Keanu connection. I love it. I love it. So so I just have to wonder if like Vigilante group would look good on a college resume. <laughs> <laughs> what, you, what was your clubs? I was in a vigilante, vigilante group. group. <laughs> <laughs> I murdered some transients. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, that was our uh, discussion review of Back to the Future. I hope you've enjoyed it as much as we enjoyed the movie and especially as much as we have enjoyed getting back together, sitting around the table, and discussing um, our fandoms. Um, to to great extent. Uh, Next Quest is a Netflix original, uh, Netflix exclusive. Uh, Ryan Johnson. That's right. It is a sequel to Knives Out that I don't think has gotten enough like credit publicity. I don't think there's been enough discussion about how good Glass Onion is. And that's a spoiler for my grade there, probably. 
But um, I think Glass Onion is a very entertaining movie. And I think it's going to be great for us to discuss. I think it's going to be lots of angles. Well, as much as Knives Out kept me and my family on the edge of our seat, and I have been banned from by my daughter from picking out movies anymore because she almost <laughs> had an anxiety attack. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to this very much. The only thing we want to make sure that we add um, is that we have adjusted our release schedule. Yes. Um, due to stupid adulting responsibilities, we can no longer maintain a weekly release schedule. Um, so every other week... You're going to be, uh, don't hang your head. It's not, <laughs> it's not one person. It's every one of us. It's, it's, it's okay. Um, so, so that would be a, a sad emoji for you young people out there. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. Buckle up. Um, <laughs> life will get you too. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you know, it's every other week you're going to get your nerd, uh, nerd fix. We are back. And every other week we will be here breaking down something cool or not cool. Depending on how, Good our choices are. <laughs> well, Jamie, until our next adventure. We're going to keep it nerdy. 